This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yes, I think we were too sloppy. We were not sharp enough in the first 45 minutes. We were not really bad, but, but not on the level that you need to have if you, if you face a strong Tottenham side in, in their stadium and they are full of energy and they, they, they uh, approach the, 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 the derby with a lot of energy and, and we lacked a little bit. It was uh, individually good performances like, like from Thiago even in first half, from Kepa outstanding even in first half. But as a team, we, we lacked energy. We lacked. Uh, we that was. We relied too much on skills. But it's not only about skillful play. You have also. We have also to 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 impress by work rate, by intensity, and and we had to step up to earn a better result. And this is what we did. That's why we are happy. We played a fantastic second half, and that's how we deserve to win. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Thomas Tuchel still wants improvement from Chelsea despite the impressive win against Tottenham on Sunday night. It is me, Ross. Hello. Welcome to Off the Ball. Me and the guys. Uh, Craig Wilkie is here. Hello, Craig. Good evening. Sliding down all my fantasy leagues, but we're still going. <laughs> <laughs> Just like his hair. You can't see it. You can't, obviously, it's a radio program, but Craig's hair has just got a mind of its own at the moment. <laughs> Arvin Sidhu is also here. Hello, Arvin. Good good fantasy week for me, but why did I take on Ivan Tony? I don't know. One goal, one assist. Oh, God. That's exactly what my son said. <laughs> why Bad did mistake. I? Yeah. Um, Cab Raslan. Joins us as well. Hello, Cam. Hey, no fantasy football for me. And and yes, because it's just too Smart proper. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Hard man. Uh, keep in touch with us. Uh, connect via social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Let, let's talk about the weekend's matches. So many. We'll start with the big game on Sunday night where Chelsea were impressive. 3-0 winners uh, at the new Tottenham Stadium. But uh, it all started with a fitting tribute, Cameras line, paid to Jimmy Greaves, who was uh, a legend for both clubs, really. Yeah, it's the Jimmy Greaves derby, the late Jimmy Greaves, who played well before my time. Um, and uh, and apparently, yes, football did exist before the Premier League. Who knew? <laughs> and... Uh, his Jimmy stats Greaves are was... frightening. I, I think he's got uh, over 100 goals more than Harry Kane. He scored over 100 goals for Chelsea. Remarkable. Yeah, 125 for Chelsea. I mean, he, that's pretty good already. And then 220 for Spurs. And the only person who could have really gone on to possibly beat that would be Harry Kane, but he's not going to be there much longer. And, uh, <laughs> and I would argue he, he shouldn't have been here this season. Uh, for me, that that score line is actually Chelsea three, Daniel Levy nil. It was uh, they should have sold him. He, I mean, they they started brightly, but then disappeared. Where was Harry Kane, and where will he be? A footballer's career is quite short, and he's wasting an entire season. His only real chance now is actually with England, and it it must be desperate, disappointing for him to just see it disappear. And 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 how can he put the effort in? And the rest of the dressing room must be so deflated. Mm. Uh, I've, I've always thought Daniel Levy's a pretty terrible um, negotiator, selling at the last minute, always, you know, never then a chance to actually buy a replacement, and he just balls it up this time. Yeah, after after that 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 fitting tribute to Jimmy Greaves, MBE, who, who my, my fondest memory is, is Saint and Greavesy. That's why I grew up watching Saint and Greavesy, like everybody else, <laughs> watching every week. But um, yeah, after that fitting tribute, you thought it would be Harry Kane versus Romelu Lukaku, but it didn't pan out that way. It was a Chelsea defence. Oh, Arvin, first Tottenham, Cam raised many sensible points there. Uh, let me ask you first, do you think Harry Kane's heart's in it? No. I honestly don't think it is because he will, like what I said a couple of weeks ago, when they have a good start to the season, a reasonable start, winning one nails, defensive solidarity, that's all fine and good. But then when you go away to a place like Selhurst Park and you lose 3-0, you lose at home 3-0 to Chelsea. And this is probably the curse of the manager of the month since Nuno has won it. He's, he's just shipped in goals and they've lost consecutive games. But when that happens, Harry must be thinking to himself, 
I'm seeing all the other top four teams. But they they started forward. so well, Alvin, right? They started so well. They started so well. But but the point is, they, they're not at that level that he aspires to be as a top centre forward in the league. He's he's a fish out of water in Spurs because he's just so far ahead of everyone else. Son is probably close to him. But what can he expect from this season? They might get a lucky FA Cup run or a Carabao Cup. But does Harry really want to look back on that and think that is what I stayed for? So I, f- I feel I agree with Cam. I feel really sorry for the lad because so w- yes, would you, are not. Yeah. Would you would you now try and shift him in January? Would that be your your main priority and, and get a replacement? I would, but I don't think so. Daniel Levy will listen yeah. to any of us, so he'll listen to any of the Spurs fans because he wouldn't do that. But yeah, it's just for me. It's a, it's a sad scenario of another a player having another year gone by, and he's someone who is given many years to Spurs, never thrown his toys out of the pram, always been professional about this. Very unfortunate to see that the, the path that, that Kane is going on downward from that path, but Chelsea, everything else for them, wow. Just out of superlatives, really. As, as the game progressed, you saw Kane from centre-forward to, to left midfield, to centre-midfield, to defensive midfield, but Thomas Tuchel and this Chelsea side, Craig Wilkie, I mean, they're a different class at the moment. It was as if Thomas Tuchel looked at that first half and he went, all right, Spurs, you've had your fun. Here's what we're going to do. And then off goes Mason Mount, on comes N'Golo Kante. And it's a totally different game. Those, those two goals killed off Spurs, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Chelsea are looking scarily good. And the, the thing about the game was, I agree with the guy, Spurs actually started really well. And probably that first half was the maybe the most disjointed I've seen Chelsea this season. You know, they got, they got pressured a little bit out of their stride and they, they looked like they were, they were struggling a little bit going into halftime. But the thing is, going into halftime, I was sat there watching the game and I knew that Tuchel would sort it out. You just have that confidence in him. And of course, they came out and they looked like a, they looked like a different side. And, you know, you started with saying that he's demanding improvement and that's, that's what he does. That's who he is. You know, he will not accept those standards that he saw in the first half. And even what he saw in the second half, he will say, okay, a lot better, but still not what I expect of a Chelsea side. And, and they went out and they were very, very comfortable by the end in terms of, of how they, they turned that around and, and got the 3-0. But, you know, he, he said he, that famous quote that I'm building a team that nobody wants to play against. And he's yeah. sticking to his word, isn't he? Because yeah. Spurs, by the end, didn't just wanted that final whistle to come. And virtually everybody that Chelsea have come up against this season have, have had that same thing. And it was an interesting stat that I think that's now 10 different goal scorers they've had already yep. this season. Right. And that's, you know, we talk about Lukaku coming in and making the difference. And he has. He's given them that focal point. He gets so much, you know, the way he unnerves defenders with his, with his movement and his power and his pace. But the fact that now Chelsea can hurt you from anywhere. You know, we've seen Kovacic playing in a slightly more advanced position. You know, got a goal last week. You know, pulling the strings. The fullbacks again are playing really high. You know, Alonso's come back in after after a little bit of a spell in the wilderness. And he looks like, like a forward the, Alonso. Yeah, looking, <laughs> looking like the Alonso of, of two or three seasons ago, where he was everybody's first choice fantasy team pick, right? And uh, you know, if you can go and play a little bit below par, especially for 45 minutes and even over the course of 90 minutes, and still come away from Spurs with a 3-0 win, Chelsea are favorites for the title. Let me say that right now. It's it's hard to disagree, really. Chelsea have now taken 13 points from five games that have already seen them visit Anfield, the Emirates, and the Tottenham Stadium. So, yeah, you write them off at your peril. All right, well, Liverpool are more than keeping up to pace with uh, Chelsea. 3-0 win against Crystal Palace. I thought 3-0 flattered Liverpool a little bit, Cam. I, I watched this game. Palace were actually quite good and it maybe could have turned out differently. They, they started, I thought, you know, they, they had the first chance on goal as well, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I wonder how many times you're going to say that about Crystal Palace over the coming season. Uh, but I, they've been really good so far and finally somebody put a stop to Ted Lasso's Crystal Palace. They... Uh, <laughs> But um, apart, quite apart from the fact that uh, Mohamed Salah without his shirt on is very impressive sight, um, Liverpool were Liverpool are back to being Liverpool, mm. and they've made a lot of changes, which surprised me. I thought that they could, um, they would, in fact, just 
go go for this first half of the season with their full strength, their regular strength, and 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 push and get as many points as they could in the bag, and then and then pull back and hope that the other teams started to slip up a bit. But um, I I can't. I, yeah, Liverpool are the real deal now, and Crystal Palace are like a junior Liverpool, uh, but without the pressing. <laughs> And I, 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 don't, I, yeah. I really hope that Crystal Palace can can pull it off and, and do a, a good mid-season. Mid, do you know what? I, for me, Patrick Vieira will be looking back at that one thinking, you know, I should have started Edouard instead of Benteke. And it might have been different. But I'm, I'm going to come to Craig Wilkie first because he's a Liverpool fan. And a lot's been made about Liverpool not signing. But this Liverpool are, are playing up to potential. I mean, Klopp made the changes, shows the strength in depth. I actually captain Trent Alexander-Arnold this weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, the captaincy went to Bruno, but, you know, still. <laughs> but, I mean, a lot to be impressed about, Craig Wilkie. Yeah, there were a lot of positives to take from the game. I agree with you, though, that the scoreline flattered Liverpool. Palace, Palace weren't, you know, three goals worse off in terms of the performance. And as you say, started the game really, really strongly. In fact, hit the post twice in the first yeah. Three, three or four minutes, right? And and Liverpool looked a, a little bit rattled at that point, you know, maybe because the amount of changes that had been made, as Cam mentioned. And I thought Kanati, for example, he looked a little bit sluggish. You could tell he was someone who hadn't had a lot of game time. And I think there was a bit of a question mark at the start of the season of who was going to be the first choice partner for Van Dijk. And it's very clear now that it's Matip. I, I think that that partnership yeah. is, is well established and, and he will come back in. And it, you... You obviously lose a lot when you've got both Robertson and, and Trent not starting. You know, just how the way that that Liverpool side plays, the sort of options that they provide out wide. Although Simicast, I think, has come in and done a really good job. I, I think he's a very able replacement for Robertson. He is, and, and he's a very similar player to Robertson as well. Yeah. So he's, he fits into that system really well. I mean, Milner, he's such a, a world-class pro. 37, really. I mean, he is just, he? You know, he just comes in and does a job. <laughs> Um, he can play in almost any position. He could probably play in goal and he would still do a fine job. But he's not Trent Alexander-Arnold and he, he doesn't have that pace. He doesn't have some of that creativity. So that definitely stifled Liverpool a little bit. But I think the thing was that Liverpool just kept playing and, and mm. they knew that the quality would tell. Yeah. Salah, for me, has had a, a really strong start to season after maybe having a few dips in form over the course of last season. Maybe the only... I mean, two things probably that just concern me a little bit was already you could tell that Elliot was missed. I, mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't think Tiago had a great game. He no. was okay, but probably under delivered a little bit. And then Jota had probably his worst game in a Liverpool shirt. He missed me. a I sitter, mean, didn't he? He missed he missed an absolute sitter, missed a couple of other chances and and just looked a little bit off the pace or a little bit short of confidence. I'm not quite sure. Um but it, it wasn't the the Jota we've been used to seeing in a Liverpool strip. But the thing is, you can take all of those caveats, you can take all of those things that might not have been perfect for Liverpool on the day, and they still came away with a 3-0 win against a very decent Palace side. So uh, can't say anything other than a job well done and look ahead to the weeks to come from that. Yeah, and if I'm being pernickety, which I am a little bit, Mo Salah, I don't know, he could lose a couple of pounds. Um, you know, I mean, nice physique and all that, but... Lose a little bit, he could, he could. Um, all right, let's rewind. The gyms have been open for two days, right? <laughs> and we're going to sit in judgment of Mo Salah's physique. <laughs> Cam started it, Cam started it. Right, rewind to the Friday night game where Newcastle United and Leeds United played out a very entertaining 1 1 draw, which, okay, keeps the season for both sides going. Uh, Steve Bruce. Wow, um, the we want Brucey out chance started after six minutes at St. James's Park. But I mean, I'm coming to you, Arvin, because you're the Leeds fan here. Uh, when Rafinha put Leeds ahead, you thought, wow, they're going to push on because they're the much better side here. Yeah, and based on that first half performance, if Leeds perform the way that they did in that first half for the rest of the season, they'll be fine. Because first half, I thought they were fantastic. They had chances. Junior Firpo missed, missed, an, missed an absolute sitter, almost as bad as Diego Jota, but he should have scored uh, for his first goal for Leeds. Um, the, the V1 Brucey chant was, 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 it happens in Newcastle more often than not. But I thought the very nice moment was on the 11th minute where 
there was there's only one Gary Speed chant for mm. play for both Leeds and Newcastle. So that that was that for me had more of an impact than the we want Brucey out. Uh, Leeds will again be frustrated because five games into the season, no win yet. Newcastle, no win as well. Leeds barely above the relegation zone. But the real concerning bit for Leeds moving into this is that you've got a couple of knocks now that have come from that. Luke Ayling has got injured. Uh, Pascal Stewart's red card, which for me, I still do not understand how the FA cannot overturn that when the player himself, Harvey Elliott, comes out himself and says that it's not deserving of a red card. This, this, it was no malice in this. Yeah. And it's still there. Leeds are missing a lot of bodies in the centre-back. And you know already a Leeds with centre-backs is an issue. When you take them out, that's a bigger issue for them. So they'll be disappointed because based on the first half, they should have scored a couple. Uh, but seeing Alan Maximum, again, the one-man ban for, for Newcastle, really. Yeah, who, who, who knew football administrators could be such stuffy people? I mean, what exactly. with UEFA removing the three little birds from Ajax's away kit? You know, they, they have real work to do. You know, and we can't knock them. <laughs> but um, Arvin, Arvin hit the nail there, Cam. Uh, Alan and Maximan. This guy is is worth paying money to go and watch football matches. Um, at so many points w- during his goal, I thought, oh, he should have shot. He's lost it here. He's lost it here. And then he goes opposite corner. And I mean, the, the guy's the guy's really good. He he's he's really good, and he's the one he's the one uh, bright spot in. Uh... Newcastle, and uh, he would be a person that people, you know, want to go and watch. But I, I wonder, though, with Arvin's assessment that, uh, you know, the first half Leeds played well, and then if they play like that, that, you know, consistently they do tail off at the end of a match, and then someone like a Sam Maximan can come along and then punish them. And uh, if if Leeds don't have um, a way to solve that, then it's going to be a problem. I couldn't really tell watching this match, you know, who... Who walks away from this feeling better? And I think perhaps, you know, in a way, Newcastle do. Uh, yeah. they, they, have, um, they have a potent weapon in St. Maximum. And also, they were really flowing. They were flowing forwards. Um, and, and can I just say, in terms of, you know, the English language, if they said Bruce out, uh, <laughs> that means they really don't like the guy. Just by adding that Y at the end, perhaps it suggests Brucey. We kind of quite like him, maybe. Um, <laughs> we still want him out. So I think there's a there's room for maneuver for Steve Bruce there. The entire Bruce family right now is clutching onto those straws that Cam Raslan has offered them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we ease into our first break of the evening then. Stick around, back right after this. A come-from-behind win on the road, thanks to grit, determination, a bit of luck and two substitutes who made a telling contribution. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. As always, when it goes through the legs of the defender, makes it extra hard for a goalkeeper to make that save. You can see the delight on his face. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Back with Cam, Arvin and Craig Wilkie looking at the weekend's football, Man City. Nil, Southampton, nil. Um, Pep Guardiola, before the game, or during the Champions League home outing against uh, Leipzig, uh, called for more fans. Uh, They did turn up, 53,000 turned up. They made a lot of noise, Craig Wilkie. But uh, sadly, you know, if you want to go through a season without a number nine, I don't know, if it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, right, who did that, Right now, there would have been 14 or 15 articles written about what a novice not buying a number nine to go through a season. What are you thinking of? But this is Pep's Man City. Yeah, this is Pep's. Um, I'm not sure some of those fans might not turn up next week after what they saw. And I don't, I don't, I don't think many of us would have predicted this as a result yeah. going into the game. <laughs> not Hassan Huttle either. <laughs> yeah, not Hassan Huttle either. And the, the strangest part was that it was such a scrappy game. There was so little fluidity about City. And, you know, bizarrely and if magnificently, if you're Hassan Huddle, it was very comfortable for Saints in the end. So McCarthy didn't have to make a lot of saves in the goal. City didn't create that many clear-cut chances. And it was a very flat performance, considering they were coming off the back of a big European win. You know, they've been scoring goals, albeit without really a number nine, as, as you were mentioning earlier. And I just wonder whether... You know, Pep had that not only about saying the fans need to come back and he had a, almost a little bit of a spat with one of the fans' representatives around it as well, you know, and he was very 
belligerent in that pep way about saying that he mm-hmm. wasn't going to apologize. He'd said what he said and he hopes that fans come out. And, and I just wonder, you know, we talked about Harry Kane earlier and how he's feeling after that whole situation. I wonder how Pep's feeling as well, because it's very, very clear that Pep wanted Kane. Um, of course, then it's up to the, the chairman and everybody else to decide, you know, if that's going to happen or, or if they're going to pay the money, all of that. And given it all happened so late in the transfer window, and again, it was bizarre to me that there wasn't more of a backup plan. You know, there was the Ronaldo rumours and all that kind well, of stuff. Well, Pep's stubborn like that because he showed that with Grealish as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. He, he, he can be. And, you know, Grealish again has come in and I think settled in quite well. But there's something just a little bit off or a little bit missing in that city side. And, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, who came on as a sub, you know, maybe, maybe that's kind of part of the, the spark that's not quite there yet because he hasn't featured fully this season. No. We know what a what a tremendous footballer he is. And I, I think over the last two, maybe even three seasons, he's been the best player in the Premier League. And he brings so much to that City side when he's fully fit and when he's in his best form. I think coming out of the Euros, he was carrying a bit of a knock and maybe wasn't, you know, 100% or fully at his best. They really need to get De Bruyne back and, and firing it because he can inspire those around him. And there's still more than enough quality in that City squad. And, and let's not forget they kept another clean sheet. They've been very solid at the back. But... This is the sort of game that when you look at the other, other teams and how they're playing and the results they're picking up, it's, it's a big two points dropped at home to Southampton and with no disrespect to Saints intended by that either. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's, what's even more damning, Arvin, is, is maybe you could, you could label them shot-shy city in this game and, and you'd be justified because they didn't really have a proper effort on goal. For, I mean, okay, it was, a, it was an, uh, a very tight VAR call that ruled out Raheem Sterling's winner. Sterling's, yeah. 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 But uh, I mean, apart from that, they, they weren't penetrating, were they? They're not. And they were just trying to engage it. Uh, I, I honestly thought the major flashpoint of the game came during the Carl Walker incident. But before that, they didn't have a shot in target for the first 28, 29 minutes. City at home against a, a team like opposition like Southampton, even an opposition against top four, when has that stat ever been there? They, they do not have a shot on goal in almost the first half an hour. So it's almost unheard of. Uh, but some of those players really, I thought, didn't show up on that on 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 the game day. I mean, Raheem Sterling down the middle is just just doesn't doesn't work for them. His control right? is atrocious. Exactly, his first start in five games and against opposition. Where I was looking at stats, where he plays relatively well against Southampton, he just was not there. I thought Ike Gundogan has had better games for City. His control wasn't there. He gave the ball away, and he's injured often, now as well. Fit. Exactly, very rare. The only bright spot for them, and granted, it might not have been a transfer that they really needed. I still see Jack Relish growing into the, the City role that he's required to do. He's coming on slightly, and he's going to be a very dangerous player, as we already know he is. But yeah, I mean, City just... I agree, I agree with Craig. Something just doesn't seem to be right since that little incident with the fans. And Pep takes these things personally. He's taken these things personally during his time in Barcelona. He will take these things personally. So hopefully they can move on from it. I'm pretty sure he's already on the training pitch trying to sort it out. But there's nothing he can do from a centre-forward perspective up to January. There's absolutely nothing he can do. He can only probably try and mould. A Ferran Torres will work for you in two or three games. Is a Ferran Torres a Lukaku or a Ronaldo? Or even a Che Adams in number nine? He's not. No. Well, this is it. Pep's got work to do and they've got the games are coming thick and fast. So he does like a tinker or two. All right. Uh, Mikel Arteta and Arsenal. Let's talk about them. Uh, how, how, how different football changes after a week or so. Two 1-0 wins on the trot for the Arsenal. Martin Odegaard with a really nice free kick goal. You can see why Real Madrid signed him as a 16-year-old, which is, which is quite amazing. Uh, Cam Razlan, uh, Arsenal coming good. Are we? Are you getting excited here about a, a, a one nil? Um, well, I, I kind of, I, I feel for Arteta a lot. He's got a lot going for him. He made some really bad choices as well. I mean, you look at the Willian deal. Well, where were, you just threw money away, didn't you? But I mean, I well, like the fact, that, and, and it's a North London. It's all building up to the North London derby next weekend as well. Well. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be uh, interesting actually, because uh, they're both teams that are a bit down. Um, okay, one nil against Burnley. Um, uh, both kind of struggling at the bottom of the league right now. Well, the uh, but I thought Burnley were pretty good, and uh, they they played some attacking fluid football, and you know you could have given them a point or or, or the three, but 
one one thing is that Arsenal looked to me like the B team of a very big club. Um, and <laughs> I think in some leagues, in Germany, for instance, the B team is allowed to play in the second division. <laughs> and and I think that this this you know this Arsenal could really sweep through the championship very well. They they um I said it last week. I do not understand what the 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 plan the vision is apart from just getting young quick players and then just pass the ball to Aubameyang and hope he'll score. Uh that's what everybody does. There's nothing special about that and these players are not particularly remarkable. So mm. for me what really caught my eye was was Burnley and that 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 free kick. They had every single Burnley player behind that. The wall was like the entire team, and somehow it still managed to get through. So I don't know how the hell that happened. Yeah, uh, all right. Plus, big plus for for Arsenal. Aaron Ramsdale acquitted himself well between mm. the sticks. Mm. I mean, they can at least you've got a decent substitute or alternative to Jay Le- uh, Burn Leno. Jay Leno. <laughs> um, uh, should should Burnley worry here, Craig Wilkie? I mean, before the before the game, Sean Dyche was was handed a four-year contract i mean okay he introduced maxwell cornet which actually for me looked the most lively burnley player there but i don't know you you look the season's already starting to take shape right you've got norwich at the bottom you're thinking who and i i I put burnley as one of those who you know down there don't you yeah i would agree with you on that i and norwich look I would be more worried about Norwich than anybody else. But yeah. after that, if, if you're if you're looking to those who, who fall into that kind of category, then unfortunately for Burnley, they are definitely occupying one of those spots right now. And it's very hard to say, you know, Sean Dyche, you can understand in some respects why he's got a new deal, because if you look at his tenure overall, he's done so much for that club. You know, and maybe we it's easy to forget or underestimate some of what he's achieved over the course of his time there. And at certain points, you know, there was talk of him, you know, leaving and potentially going to a much bigger club than Burnley. But he stayed and maybe we're seeing some of the limitations of his methods now. You know, he's he's kept trying to play the same way and, and maybe the game has just moved on a little bit. And I don't think it's even about, you know, 4-4-2 versus more or different or more sophisticated tactical systems. It's just about do you have the quality of player who can go and hurt opposition? And I look at that Burnley side, and especially when I look at the midfield, I don't see a lot of creativity in there. It's turgid, isn't it? Yeah, it re- there's not a lot of players who are going to put their foot on the ball and really, really create something. And and when you're down there and you're struggling, you need someone who can, you know, we talk about St. Maximin, for example. Yeah. You're, you're, there's, there's, he can create something, a little bit of magic out of nothing all by himself, and he will give you a chance. Uh, I don't see who that is for Burnley. I mean, you know, the, the strikers, Wood and Barnes, we know what they offer. They're big target men. They'll cause problems in the box, but they need service. They need good quality deliveries into the box, and and Burnley weren't able to provide that. I, the only thing that would still give me a bit of hope as a Burnley fan is, is I look at that back four, and it still seems very solid. You know, the likes of Tarkovsky, the likes of Ben Mee, you know, those, those are good experienced players who've been around and they know how to defend at that level. And so they're still, you know, unlike Norwich, for example, they're not conceding a lot of goals so that they're at least competitive in games. You know, nobody's really overrunning them right now, but to stay up, you're going to need to score goals and you're going to need to provide a bit more of an attacking threat. And Dyche is going to have to come up with a solution for that sooner rather than later, I think. Yeah. Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood have scored just one goal between them in six matches in all competitions. Burnley have scored 16 goals in their last 22 home matches. There lies the problem. Offer another break. Back soon. Well, <laughs> from the shadows to centre stage, it's a stunning goal from a player who's hardly had a touch. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. His calmness, the calmness man in the ground, never in doubt. That's why he's on the penalties. So much calmness, composure, picks his spot. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Thanks for sticking with us. Cameron Aslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu joining me this Monday evening to look back at the weekend's EPL. Uh, you can connect with us through social media. Follow BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you if you take part in our Fantasy League football, you will be aware that this season's BFM Fantasy League is brought to you by my-soccer.com. So that means we've got Manager of the Month prizes and 
see so much coming your way if you just follow us on social media. And we have football tips for fantasy football as well. Thanks to our friends at the Banger Committee. That comes up every other Friday. So do check us out, BFM Football on Facebook. Wow, quite an intro. That's why I work on radio, you see. <laughs> All right, let's get on with the football then. West Ham against Manchester United was um, it was exciting. It was exciting. Uh, Arvin Sidhu, I'm going to come to you first, and I'm going to say, David Moyes, if there's one thing you learned from the summer's Euros, is that you do not bring substitutes on to take penalties. What was Moyes thinking? I don't know. Uh... Was he taking it from the Garrett Southgate school of penalty taking? Was you know he... what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 such scenarios don't always lead to a Disney type ending. I, I get why you brought Mark Noble on, but for, for sake of it, you would have thought that Mark Noble should have had a few minutes before to get accustomed to the game and get the rhythm of the game. This was a Mark Noble who typically puts away his penalties. He's got a very good record of penalty taking against a David De Gea who's not saved a penalty since 2016. That's five years for a goalkeeper not saving a penalty, which is unheard of. And the way that Mark Noble took that penalty, the direction that he was going, I think any of us watching the game knew where he was going. Me and my son pointed to that part of the TV. He didn't have to because Ronaldo was in the back pointing to David De Gea telling him where he was going to go. So yeah, I I just want to, I mean, we praise David Moyes for, for and he, he deserves the praise because for many, many seasons and months now, he's done great with West Ham. But this was just one of those things that just didn't work out. No Disney ending for you on this one. <laughs> Trying to give Mark Noble his, his moment in his last season with West Ham. Nah, it's not going to happen. But, but this for me was a game where there are some scenarios in the season where certain moments kind of set the pan out for the rest of the season. Last season, we had Allison scoring that header against West Brom and then Liverpool making it to the top four. For me, that last few moments in that game, the Jesse Lingard scoring, the David De Gea, the togetherness that Man United showed, I think is going to bode fantastically well for them. They didn't have to play all that well. They had a lot of possession. But this was almost Fergie time era moments for me. And it was, Do you know what, Arvin? And, I, I yeah. think you, you you hit the nail on the head. The, the, read, read the celebrations and the good... I saw David De Gea, after the final whistle, run to Eric Bailly and lift him off his feet. And I'm like, wow! <laughs> okay. And, 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 and it's redemption for someone like Jesse Lingard who had a bad mistake in midweek against yeah. the boys. Yeah. It's redemption. Yeah. So it's, on. All, it's, it's all going well right now for United. On the field, it might not be going well, but emotionally and spirit, it's going. It's just going up in that direction. And when you have that, you believe you can beat anyone. And they would probably believe right now they can even beat the Chelsea. So credit to them. Well, with with CR seven cameras on and the effect that CR seven seems to be having, then maybe they're in there. I mean, Man United, Chelsea, and Liverpool are currently top of the table on thirteen points after five matches played. Um, do this United side, do you think they've got more in them than last season? Yeah, yeah. But do they have enough to beat Chelsea? Mm, not so sure. Um, Chelsea at least half a step ahead. More than, more than half a step ahead. But uh, but no, it, it was it was really intriguing to say uh, to see. And you, you mentioned uh, Fergie time. It, 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 did, it felt like really old-fashioned football in that it's a group of very good players put in their... Uh, their places on the on the pitch and said go and play good football and win a match they don't have that overarching uh, strategy that say Chelsea do that Pep does that Klopp has that they um it, it just you know go and be good footballers and uh, but by the way can I just speak up for Mark Noble he has the second highest conversion rate in penalties in world football after Lewandowski is wow. 90.5% and Lewandowski is 91%. So, you know, I think any any day you would say, go on, Mark, go and go and score us a penalty. And David Moyes uh, did think that. <laughs> yeah, and, and he'd, he'd do it again. Um, no, but I, I, I'm, I really enjoy watching this old-fashioned football. Um, and it's, uh, it's fun, isn't it? Um, when it, was the last time? How long has it been Manchester United fun? It, it was a pulsating final 10 minutes. Let me tell you that. The heart was racing. And, yeah, and yeah I mean, there were good goals. But, I mean, for me, the, the Jaden Sancho, the amount of money you spent on him, you've not used him correctly. He, it, that's gone under the shadow because of 
Cristiano Ronaldo and 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 VAR. I want to talk about that, Craig Wilkie. There were some VAR decisions. I mean, you look back at that. I mean, okay, there was the Sufal uh, foot in front of Ronaldo. Okay, that one may be 50-50 for me. But the Kurt Zuma slide in two minutes into injury time. I mean, if VAR is not there to catch things like that, what is it there for, right? Yeah, it's... Uh, well, let's start with the fact that it was a really good game of football, I thought. Uh, you know, not just the last 10 minutes, but both sides really went out to attack both sides looked to, to be progressive and try and win the game. And, and that made for, for quite an exciting contest overall. And I think West Ham deserves some credit for the way they, they matched up against that. When it comes to VR, maybe this weekend we've had more incidents than we've had in the first four game weeks of the season. I'm still, you know, you know how skeptical and how much of a critic of VAR I was throughout all of last season. And, and I remain so. I think there are still issues with how it's, how it's working and how it's implemented. But I do have to give credit to the FA and to the referees that it's been managed overall, it's been managed much better this year. And I think the most important thing is, first of all, they've sorted out the offside thing. Okay. So we're not getting some of those ridiculous, yeah. you know, toenail offsides or the, you know, the Bamford one where he was pointing all of that kind of stuff that that's pretty much gone now. And I think we're in a, an okay place when it comes to offside. And the other big, big change is that the referees are now going over and having a look for themselves at the monitor. And I think even, you know, we can still debate the decisions that they come to, but the most important thing is that the referee who should have the authority on the pitch is going over and looking at the incident and then coming to their own conclusion and, and they're making the decision. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's still, that's still a good thing for the game. Then, of course, we have the, the Luke Shaw handball, right, which is you know, probably still the greyest area of, of the law in football. If you play the yeah, game, still... it's a natural position for your hand because you're literally swinging away from it. You know, exactly. but and that and that that's why this it's a bit of a dilemma because this this whole question of the natural position of the arm is is so subjective and so open to interpretation. Yeah. The alternative is that you just say, okay, any handball in the box is a penalty. Mm. Um, but that that means you're going to see more players penalized for for that kind of thing. But so that that's not an easy one to solve. Um, but yeah, I think VR is is slowly getting better. Although there were definitely a few incidents that that might have had a little bit of controversy or 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 whatever. But overall, in the end, I think United did just enough to deserve to win. You know, yeah. it, it would have been it would have been a little bit harsh, I think, probably for for West Ham to come back and got the draw. But I agree with you on Sancho. It's been a really big surprise that mm-hmm. he hasn't he hasn't really come to life yet. I mean. He's, he's had a few starts. He's now been around long enough that you spent enough time on the training field that he should be comfortable in the environment with those players. He's played in a lot of big games at a very high level. It's not as if, you know, that should be a big problem for him. Um, so it, it would be interesting to see. And I actually thought that Lingard would, would really struggle to feature at all after Sancho and then Ronaldo came in. And give him so much credit because his career was going nowhere not that long ago before the loan move to West Ham. And he's rejuvenated himself. He looks like he's enjoying his football again. And the goal he scored was absolutely fantastic. You know, he's, he's got that pace. He cuts inside and then he gets the shot away so early, curls it in the top corner. And, you know, he, it looks now as though he was going to play quite an important part in the season for Manchester United. And again, as the guys were saying, you know, bouncing back from his big mistake in midweek. So fair play to Jesse Lingard. And, you know, he did a good job of trying not to celebrate in front of the West Ham fans. As yeah, well. so. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm, for that as well. <laughs> I, I wonder how much Sullivan and Goal regret signing Vlasic instead of putting the money up and, and just going for Lingard because that was that would have worked exactly. this season. Yeah, but Lingardinho is, is his name. <laughs> All right, let, let's quickly talk about how well Brighton are doing, Arvin Sidhu. Um, amazingly, they're up, they're up there. They're in fourth, fifth position. Uh, no one saw a 2-1 win against Leicester. But again, VAR played a part. It, they, it helped, but uh, what can you say about the Seagulls? They've been great, right? Yeah, season targets almost reached, right? Halfway there of season targets already for them. Uh, the difference of this this uh, Brighton, and it's down to a few factors. It could be, could be a little bit of luck, a little bit of calls going their way, players playing out of their skin. The difference of this Brighton from last season is that the expected chances are actually going in. Four wins out of five results are there, whatever you say about it. Uh, the first goal I thought was really harsh, though, on Southampton. I thought Yannick Vestergaard was literally almost manhandled by Neil Maupe, leading mm-hmm. up to the Duffy header that kind of hit Vestergaard on his hand. So I thought that shouldn't have been called. 
But they had, they had some good performances around the pitch. There's one player that everyone needs to look out for. It's Mark Tuchurella from. Mm-hmm. Uh, they signed him. They signed him from Getafe. He's actually an ex-Barcelona boy, and he will just bomb down the left hand side of, of defense for you. So they've got. Yeah, I thought he had an awesome home debut for the Spaniard. A man of the match for me. Adam Lalana was neat and tidy. Showed them the game management. It's important because when they take those leads that they do, uh, it's important that they need a solid hit like Adam Lalana to kind of come in and kind of control things. So that worked out well for them. Good point. Sally March didn't seem to do anything else. But when you have the likes of of Danny Welbeck scoring, and when you have the likes of Leonardo Tossat scoring last minute against uh, Brentford last week, things are going your way. And Brighton are, are riding high right now. I still do expect a time of the season where things wouldn't go their way and they'll go through a bit of a dry spell. But they've come out, they've come out and what they can only beat what's in front of them. So so credit to them in in in, in that sense. But still for me, when you look at that game for me, we've had great goals this weekend. Jesse Lingard's goal, we had the defenders scoring for Chelsea. The best team goal for me this weekend was Leicester's goal. Because Leicester's goal, if you have a chance, take a look yeah. at how that yep. was a team goal from Ricardo Pereira to Yuri Tillemans to Jamie Vardy finishing it. There's sometimes, when you look at it, the Brighton defenders and goalkeeper just said, there's nothing we can do about this. They just perfected <laughs> that move. So yeah, uh, but good, good stuff for Brighton. All right, brilliant stuff. Final break. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, and it's just, you know, become all too easy now. Um, that pass, that's the difference between the sides today. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. second of this special season off the ball on bfm 89.9 and here we are looking back at the weekend's epl with cam raslan craig wilkie and arvin sidhu uh we need to talk about how well brentford are doing cam uh amazing they went away and won two nil at wolves they look like they could have scored a lot more ivan tony a lot of people would have taken them out of the fantasy league football teams. I'm looking at Arvin Zidu and nodding my head. I left him in. I left him. But I mean, Brentford, they're good fun, aren't they? Yeah, I'm I'm getting to know Brentford. Um, uh, only a few games in. I, I don't watch the championship at all. But the, I guess the, the thing that I've, I feel I, I, I see about Brentford, which is kind of surprising, is that um, their, their muscularity, they're physically, the players are... Um, strong. They're not necessarily going for speed. I mean, they are quite fast, but they 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 can uh, survive on the pitch against the best of the Premier League defenders. Say, and um, I I've not seen that for a while. The the the, the emphasis in the last few is always you know small, lithesome, fast players like they're doing over at Arsenal. So it's interesting to see someone going the other way. Um, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, uh, I I always watch Triore. I, I I enjoy watching um, Triore because I always like these players who they go forwards and everyone gets excited and then nothing happens. And um, <laughs> and I have a kind of league table of of players over the years. Who, and and always for me, top of the list is Steve McManaman, um, who. It's always so exciting seeing him go forward and then and then absolutely nothing comes of it. So no end product. <laughs> Triori is the new for me, uh, Steve McManaman. Brentford, uh, lots of uh, Jensen at the back. I thought, what a beast! Uh, I thought Canyos right side really good. The front two, Mbemo is going to score more goals because Ivan Tony is going to set him up. But but Wolves, Craig, in our early pick for the drop. So we've got we've got Norwich, we've got maybe Burnley in there. I'm looking at Wolves now. At one point in this match, Bruno Large had all his attackers on. He took both his wing backs off. He put strikers on instead. I think they had five attackers on. Um, they they look a bit lightweight, don't they? Yeah, they do. the The concern was really how little they created after they had the man advantage. That that was the that was the defining moment. Could they play themselves back into the game and and really put Brentford under some pressure? But they didn't. And I've some of the performances I've seen from Wolves this season have, have looked okay. They've been knocking the ball around. They've been, you know, competitive in games, but this was by far their worst performance of the season. And, you know, I agree with Cam Traore. You know, he promises so much and delivers so little. It's, it's incredible to see someone who, you know, 
goes past four players, gets to the byline, and then just crosses into the stand. You know, time time after time. So, or, do do you think do you think a better club would be the next step for Traore? Would, would that then make him that A class player? It's very hard to say. You know, he because no club would sign him based on this. <laughs> I mean, it, well, this this is the thing, and he you look at him and he's got those attributes. He's so fast. He's so strong. Uh, he shrugs defenders off, and he he causes problems just because he's so direct. But when it comes to that, when you get inside the penalty box or you get into those promising attacking positions, what you need is a little bit of composure. And he doesn't seem to have that. He becomes very clumsy all of a sudden. And, and I don't know how much that can be coached out of him or not, you know, if, if he were to play under, under a different manager or if he could play at a higher level. But the other things for Wolves, you know, Trincao, who's, who'd been impressive in a few previous games, he disappointed. Was, was largely anonymous. And, and some yeah. of the credit for that goes to Brentford, by the way, yeah. because they, yeah. they really kept him quiet. And similarly, Jimenez, you know, that first, I mean, it's just great to see him back playing after the, the horrific injury that, that he suffered. But there's something a little bit tentative still about him. And, and maybe that's understandable because of the nature of the injury that he had. You know, he's still playing with the protective gear on his head. But you can tell some, some of those balls into the box when they did come that it's maybe just even half a second or half a step of hesitation. And that it's not, it's a subconscious thing just, just because of, of what he's been through. And therefore, he's not quite in that exactly the right spot that he would have been in maybe two seasons ago or, or in the early part of last season. And there's still a lot that he brings to the game, but they really need to hope that he gets fully back into form and gets his confidence all the way back. And he's going to be such an important player for Wolves because otherwise... I'm not sure about them getting into relegation trouble, but I don't think it's going to be a very stellar season unless they can sort out some of those issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought uh, Huang He Chan, he needs to be given more of a run out. He, he, looked, he looked the best of all the Wolves forwards. Um, yeah, I understand about Jimenez. There's the, uh, him and Ivan Tony, completely different ends of the scale in, in terms of confidence. Definitely. Thomas Frank's side now climb up to ninth in the table. They face high-flying Liverpool in the next outing. They will face them without Shandon Baptiste, who picked up two yellow cards. Needless second yellow. All right, if, if Wolves is not the other team to go down, Arvin, then maybe it's, it's Watford, who went away at Norwich. What we said on Friday's show, it, it was a must-win for Daniel Farkas Norwich, and and uh, yeah, no, they, they, they pulled it level 1-1. Watford too strong, but maybe uh, everybody will be too strong for Norwich this season. It's like other clubs rotate players. Norwich tend to rotate the leagues that they're in season, out season in because it's Premier League and then Championship. I, 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 just, I mean, Daniel Farker's record, he's lost 15 Premier League games considering the fact that his last time at Norwich, the last time they win the Premier League, he had lost 10 in a row. Now he's lost five in a row. I, 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 it's the longest running, losing run in history in the top flight, by the way. I really don't see a way out of this. Uh, and the concerning bit for Daniel Parker is that he's had a bit of back and forth with the supporters also. Just like Pep Guardiola. And when you do that, that's when things start getting a little bit testy for you as a manager. Mm. Uh, he, he went, he did his customary walk to the middle of the middle of the circle at the end of the game. He got a chorus of boos, which is quite unlike the Norwich fans are quite forgiving. They understand the limitations, but when they get on the back of the manager and to a certain extent, the players, it's going to be a concern. Uh, some of their performances, which is bad Ross, Ozan Kabak, ex Liverpoolian, Schalke, yeah. Yeah. He below average debut. He looks so out of line. And you put him and Grant Hanley out, I think almost every other, all the other 19 Premier League clubs could score against them. Uh, Timo Puki, yeah, cool finish, but he was kind of gifted that. There's not many sparks in that team, really. Max Ahrens, I know Craig's a big fan of Billy Gilmore. He did okay, I thought. But other than that, there's just too much of championship material in that squad. And Daniel Farker also, in my view, is a championship manager for them to survive this season. All right. The other game to just have a quick mention, Aston Villa 3, Everton 0 was a bit of a surprise. But Craig Wilkie, it was a depleted Everton, but still an impressive Villa win this. Yeah, it, it looked like an intriguing game on paper. And I was surprised by how comfortably Villa won in the end, albeit with, with some of the struggles that... that Leon Bailey looks a bit useful, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And, and, and that's, that's the exciting thing about Villa is that they have, they have so many different options. You know, Ings has come in and, and done okay, but he's not even been at his best yet so far. I think there's still a lot more potentially to come, come from him. 
Watkins, who's come back into the lineup in the last couple of weeks, I think he's made a difference as well because he you know, he holds the ball up. He can run in behind. Um, McGinn, you know, I'm, I've always been such a huge fan of John McGinn and the, the way he gets around that midfield and he, he can create things as well. Um, and I think Villa are, are one of those sides, a bit like what we saw last season with them. You know, they're at their best, they're going to be really good. Uh, at their worst, they're going to they're going to ship some goals and they're going to put in some some maybe slightly strange performances. But you know, they've been they've been building quite quite confidently so far. And you know, albeit against a weakened Everton side, three 0 against Everton is a is a good result for anybody yeah. on, on on any day. And yeah. and and it's a sort of result that builds confidence as well. You know, I, I think there's there's a lot for those players are starting to look at each other and think, yeah, we could we could go on and have a, a pretty decent season here. And uh, you know, the, I think I go back to that point that they they just have a lot of different threats, and, and no team is going to find it that easy against Villa because they will create chances. And you know, have they missed have they missed Grealish that much? Mm. Not really. Mm. May, may, maybe they haven't had as many penalties as they did <laughs> last season. Um, but other than that, you know, they we talked about chairman and, and getting business done in time in the transfer window. There's a club that's been well managed. You know, they they got a good deal for Grealish. They spent the money wisely. And they're seeing some of the benefits of that so far early on this season. Yeah, I, I, I want to see Villa's free kicks gained this season record as opposed to with Grealish. Um, all right, midweek Carabao Cup is happening. Cam, I know it's your favourite football tournament in the whole <laughs> wide so world. Much, yeah. That and the FA Vars. Give it, give well, it I mean, there, there are loads. I mean, all the Premier League ties uh, clubs are in action. Norwich against Liverpool should be fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if Liverpool really want to go for it, um, the I don't know, do they have the squad really to to do every single front? Um, but yeah, I mean, God, even if they were not trying, they're still going to beat Norwich. Yeah, uh, you 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 wonder if Man City will find the back of the net against Wickham Wanderers, uh, Brighton against Swansea, Man United against West Ham at Old Trafford this time, Chelsea Aston Villa, Arsenal Wimbledon, Leeds. Might take this one seriously. They're away at Championship leaders Fulham. Leeds will want to get some momentum in this, Arvin, won't they? Before before next weekend. Yeah, crucial because next weekend they play West Ham and returning Mikel Antonio, which is never easy. So a win breeds confidence. They, they they'll take it seriously. Leeds had a good under twenty three win against Liverpool last night. A nice four 0 away. So that was kind of a bit of a revenge for losing to Liverpool last week in the senior side. But they, they, they would need they need a win. Momentum is so important right now for Leeds. They need that first win or else the longer it goes, the tougher it's going to get. Brighton, Swansea, Arsenal, Wimbledon, Millwall, Leicester, Wolves, Spurs. We'll, we'll tell you about the big shots on Friday's show. For now, we're out of time. So I'm going to say thank you, Cam Razlan. Thank you, Ross. Uh, thanks to Craig Wilkie. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. And thank you, Arvin Sidhu. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week ahead. Yeah, indeed. I'll speak to you guys on Friday. Bye now. And that is a super finish. And boy, they're welcome back. They are very welcome back. Off the ball every Monday at 8pm on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.